You are totally under the influence. From social media influencers, athletes, entertainers, and business moguls, it's time to get inspired. It's time for Under the Influence with Tom Ward. And now, Under the Influence. Welcome to the Tom Ward Show, where I interview the biggest names in the biz. Today, we've got Taylor Price, Gen Z financial advisor, founder of Tap Intuit and TikTok Influencer. How's it going? All around financial badass, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super excited to be here. So have you been getting doing a lot of press because of GameStop, uh, Reddit, uh, Robinhood? I mean, how's that all been going for you? I, I made a tweet just recently. I have, haven't been reached out as much as I have been for this past week than my entire life. Like Fox News, Bloomberg, Business Insider, BBC, literally like everybody that you can think of. Taylor, what are your thoughts on this? We need a Gen Z voice to speak up on this, especially being a female. Like we need to understand, is this just a, a male thing because it's GameStop, boys, video games, that kind of thing? Like share your thoughts. And so it's been crazy, Tom. Wow. Have you seen your following grow in like the past couple of days because of it? Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. I feel like everybody across the board, like it's now trendy to talk about stocks. Um, prior to that, it was like, there's a select, you know, demographic since it's stocks and investing and young people normally don't think that they should get into money because they don't have to think about it until, you know, they're 65 and ready to retire. But now with everything with GameStop, AMC, Dogecoin, it's like the hippest thing. If you're not, if you're not investing, you're just like not cool or you can't, you know, engage in any conversations. It's so cool because <clears throat> I got close with the Sway House guys and they're all involved in crypto they've they're involved in st- early seed startups and i do a, another podcast with griffin johnson and that's what we talk about we have like entrepreneurs we haven't had a, a guest on who's under 40 years old so yeah so so you look his demographic are starting to move over i mean obviously we have to start from scratch because it's not exactly the content that his viewers are used to watching mm-hmm. but they're so into it it's like it made me step up my investing game i'm like damn, these kids are are killing it. Like I need to keep up. And so you're right. It's kind of nice to see. It's the cool thing to do. Yeah, actually, little stat here is on average, the age to start financial planning in Gen Z is 13 years old. Like how crazy is that? So that means Gen Z, like 13 year olds are starting to invest or starting to think about it. Yep. Yep. Wow. Any idea what it was in previous generations? Well, I think social media and just being online, the age of the internet has brought an awareness that didn't happen before. Like I like basically saying myself, I was a pioneer on TikTok um, with like select few other people um, all older than me who challenged the status quo and started talking about money on the internet. Because previously to that, yeah, there was YouTube. Yeah, there was Instagram, but it wasn't as authentic as something like TikTok. And that's why I reached out to you. And that's what I'll, I'll talk, ask later about the financial gurus on TikTok, like how, who the hell knows who's legit <laughs> or not. But I reached out to you because I loved your content or I love your content. It's so it's snackable, right? It's like a little 50 second kind of thing that sums up um, shorting stocks. Like it makes right. it simple. Now we can understand easy examples. And I think it benefits all ages. Like I learned stuff watching um, Mm -hmm. your videos and I'm sure a 13 year old would have a ton to learn from just, just getting into that. Yeah. I get parents like 40 year olds, 35, even some older, older folks, even older gentlemen saying like, wow, you're doing such a service to like the next generation. Even I'm learning from this kind of content. I'm like, this is exactly what I want. And you have to think that six out of 50 states only require a personal finance class. And so most people growing up either were told not to talk about money, religion, and politics at the dinner table, or two weren't offered in public, you know, in public schools because it's just not required. And so now it's like this whole entire Wall Street bets, TikTok, everywhere you take a look, it's like, let's talk about money. Let's learn. This is how we got to make it in life. What do you think of the whole, the Reddit and GameStop deal? First of all, did you invest? Were you, are you like involved in the Reddit forum? 
No, I actually was on the sidelines for this. Um, I am extremely busy as of lately and taking a look at plays like GameStock and AMC, they are super volatile. And for those listening right now who are beginners, just know that this is not this does not happen like all the time. This will definitely be in the history books like this, this kind of play. It's almost like back in early 2000s when everybody was talking about, you know, the stock market. And now it's like, okay, it's freedom to trade. Let the people trade. And yeah. They just sold the movie rights. Did you see it? The guy who wrote Social Network. I don't know if you saw that movie about Facebook. Yep. He's um, writing the script for the GameStop story. So they've already sold it to Hollywood. MGM bought it already. Isn't that crazy? I have not. No, I haven't even heard of that yet. That's awesome. Yeah, they announced it last night. It's like things move so quick now. I mean, quicker than ever before. And especially with crypto, what I like about crypto is... um, the markets never close. Yep. Which is kind of cool. That's what I like too. Like you can check on the weekends, like, oh, something mm-hmm. went up, something went down. Like it doesn't shut down. Mm-hmm. But you write about volatility, like Dogecoin. I don't even know what it is, but I just, I took 250 bucks and bought some. <laughs> and I go, I'm probably going to lose this, but what the hell? I mean, it seems like the cool thing to do. Tell me about Dogecoin. Like, what is it? it why is it so volatile? I mean, why is everybody talking about it? It's a meme coin. So everybody first off can afford it. Like if let's say you're taking a look at Bitcoin, people automatically say, okay, it's at like 33,000 right now. I can't afford a Bitcoin. Most people don't realize that you can invest in fractional shares. So you can buy, you know, a hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin, but with Dogecoin, since it's so low, like what is it now? It's like three cents now, four cents. Three or four cents. Yeah. Yeah. Something along those lines, people can buy like you know, $20 worth and say, Oh my God, I have thousands and thousands of shares, you know? (laughs) So like, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a meme stock. And Elon Musk was actually talking about it last night in a clubhouse room. And he said, yeah, he said, well, I don't really think that Dogecoin is good, but I am uh, definitely an advocate for Bitcoin. And if you take a look at his profile on Twitter, you can see that the only thing that's in his profile is Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Yep. Yeah, which is so, so fascinating. What do you think about Bitcoin? I am an investor in Bitcoin. I hopped late on the trend, I guess I would say last year. And so I feel a little bit left out, you know, back 2014, I was only 14 years old back then. And so I didn't really think two thing twice of it, but I do think there, I do think it's going to be valuable. Um, and not only myself, a whole bunch of other fostered experts in cryptocurrency. And so there's only actually, there's actually only a limited amount of Bitcoin. And I love that. Yeah. So the scarcity is what drives it even more so because, you know, there's only a certain amount of people in the world. There's only a certain amount of Bitcoin. And so if you have a Bitcoin, you're, you're pretty special. Yeah. I interviewed, I got actually got the chance to interview um, Tyler Winklevoss. Okay. From from Facebook, and then he got yep. big into crypto with Gemini, and it was just fascinating talking about crypto. I mean, it's so interesting. All the different ones, like Ethereum's big now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so interesting to watch. Yeah, I'm invested in Ethereum as well. Me That's too. Like, I, I, yeah. I have Bitcoin and Ethereum. Yeah. Dogecoin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a Doge, Dogecoin just yet, but maybe if it reaches a dollar, like everybody wants it to, maybe I'll yeah. take a look more look into it. It's funny. I bought $250 worth and I bought it when it was, there was like an eight window. I looked at it last night. There was like two hours when it was seven cents. Yep. And that's where, that's when I bought it and immediately went down to four Boom. cents. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Everybody, everybody who bought at like seven, eight cents last night, totally screwed over next morning, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. Talk about two we're, So we're here to talk about finance for the normal listener. I mean, my demo is like 18 to 24 year old women primarily. Um, Talk about the volatility of that stuff. I mean, it's fun to talk about, but it might, what's your opinion? Like that's not where they should start investing their money, right? Oh, no way. No way. Like I, like I just said, uh, some odd minutes ago, it is extremely volatile. These plays don't happen often. And most people go into it just for the hype. They 
take out their life savings and and put it into these hype stocks, like wanting to win a fortune, but yet there's such a falling knife is what we call it in like stock market terms when, you know, the price is super high and then it starts falling drastically because the only reason why I was up in the first place is because of communities like Wall Street Bets. And so, you know, if you're listening to this and you're just beginning to start, I personally started off with index funds. They're very, very um, safe. They're low risk, low reward. And then I moved on to ETFs, exchange traded funds. And you can think of these like a basket, an Easter basket full of candy, but instead full of stocks. So for example, um, you can buy Apple, Tesla, Facebook, Amazon, Google, all in one ETF versus having to buy each individual company. And that'll diversify um, your risk. Where do you buy? I don't even know what ETFs are. Where do you, I mean, you buy them from any other financial institution? Yep, pretty much. Some offer more than others. Um, and so it really just depends. Like, for example, Robinhood doesn't offer as many as TD Ameritrade or Charles Schwab or Fidelity, like the older vetted guys. Um, you'll typically see that more in like the newer brokerages not offering as much. But uh, my personal choice is within TD Ameritrade and E-Trade. Do they, do you get like, um, you have a million followers on TikTok. Do you get brand deals? And if so, do you get them from like these financial platforms or banks or like, how does yes. it work? Yes, I'm I sure do, you get, do. right? Yeah, totally transparent. I do get brand deals from a whole bunch of fintech uh, companies. And the great thing about it is that not only is it just a brand deal, if I really love the company and I see myself using it and working out in the long run as well too, I will actually invest in those companies and become an angel investor. A lot of them are are startups. And so it just makes logical sense as I grow and I love the platform and, you know, I can grow with them and help them grow as well too. Like being, you know, being a financial literacy or financial activist influencer content creator. It's like the perfect duo. Oh my God. Um, I want to talk about like how you got started and stuff, but angel investing. So, cause some of the stuff won't apply to the person listening, but right. talk about angel investing, early seed investing. Cause I'm a regular guy as I'm sure the person listening is a regular guy or girl and we'll never have access to deal flow and, you know, early seed investing and stuff, but just give us a sneak behind the curtain. Like how does that all work? Yeah. So first off, you can actually angel invest being just an everyday person. There are oh, platforms. Yeah. yeah. There are platforms like AngelList, Republic.co. I've actually made a few TikToks about it that went viral and they reached out to me on Twitter and said, thanks. We see you. <laughs> wow. Very um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. That, that wasn't sponsored or anything, but um, the way in which an angel investing works, basically for those of you who have no idea what it is, is you basically invest in startups and companies that you believe are going to do well in the long run or may have some sort of traction. Um, so social finance is a really big one that people are like crowding to. Um, and if you don't know what social finance is, basically talking about money, seeing other people's trades, public's a big one, public's a social fintech, you know, social media finance type brokerage where you can trade and you can also see people's trades. And so angel investing, yes, it's very risky. Again, it's something that more so people do later on in life, but I get these opportunities. Like I said, it's usually through, Hey, we'd love to do a sponsored post with you. Well, Hey, actually send me your pitch deck. And a pitch deck is how you can see, you know, the, the brands, TMT, top management uh, team, you can see all their revenue. You can see pretty much everything. And then you can say, hey, I actually want to be a long-term partner. Let's do this for the long run. Um, I want a share of the company. Um, and it gives like a longer term incentive. That is so cool just to hear you talk about that. How old are you? If you don't mind me asking. I'm 20. I'm 20. My birthday is May 15th. So it's coming wow. up in a few months. That is amazing. And how old were you when you started this journey? 17. So, so go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I graduated high school a year early. And so I went to college, um, my first semester with going into pre-med, like I had no idea that I was going to get into finance my entire life. I wanted to become a neurosurgeon. And so I started off college, the pre-med route and I dropped out my first semester because 
I have a spinal fusion from scoliosis. So my spine's fused. I, you know, I move, I I'm a everyday person, you know, but I just didn't know 10 to 15 years from now, if I would have to go to physical therapy for my back, or I also have lupus too. Oh my goodness. I feel like I have so many medical conditions, but, um, it just wasn't going to work out for me. End of the day, uh, long story short, I then asked my mom, Hey, what, what should I do? You know, I was planning my entire life, uh, did internships, medical camps from the time, like I was practically born and doing all this stuff to then my mom saying, Hey, you should check out finance. Like you're good with numbers. Why don't you check it out? And so I did, I was at wit's end and I quickly realized, holy shit. I had no idea about my personal finances when I was learning how to read, you know, financial statements from a large fortune 500 company. Like what does a credit card do? What, how do I plan for retirement and all this personal finance stuff, which was never, taught to me. Um, and so I, th- I feel like that's pretty much how I got into everything. And your parents are entrepreneurs, right? What do, what do they do? Right. They manage a small industrial uniform rental company in upstate New York. So, you know, growing up, uh, it was basically me and my brother with different family members. Like my grandma was a pivotal person in our lives who, when my parents were working all the time, my grandmother was uh, taking care of us. And my first grade teacher who turned out to be like such, again, such a mentor in my life as well too, was taking care of us as well. Very cool. So yeah, finance, it just seems like such an odd kind of thing to, I guess when you're in college, it's something to think about, but it's one way to kind of go, the normal route would be go, okay, I'm going to go major in finance. I'm going to work for a large brokerage company. I'm going to work on wall street. I invest, I'm interested in mergers. I'm invested, whatever you're interested in, you kind of go into that specialty. How did social media play into this? Were you big on social media as you were in college or like, how did that even start? Yeah. So when I made the transition from pre-med to finance, when I said I quickly realized that I had no idea about my own personal finance, yet I was learning about how to do all this big things, you know, um, with these bigger companies, I started a blog called Tap Into It, which is still running till this day, um, basically explaining my frustration and sharing my journey just through regular, you know, written blog posts. And I had a few friends like Taylor, you know, blogs aren't really the thing. Like you should start vlogging on YouTube and getting on Instagram. And so those were my, those were my first two social media platforms. And then I grew a friend out of that who was based in LA. And he's like, this is back in early 2019. Taylor, there's this platform called TikTok out there. You really got to hop on it. Like you have such an amazing message. You need to get on this now. Um, and this guy pioneered the business sector. Uh, his name is at Agachi on TikTok. He was the first ever business pro file. And so I was like, you know what, Daniel, I don't think so right now. Like everybody at the time was dancing, you know, it was all younger brothers and sisters were using it. Like nobody my age and especially nobody from my hometown was using it. Like my, my hometown is like suburban farmland, upstate New York. And so like, if you see somebody doing a TikTok, you're like, ew, what is that person doing? (laughs) Right. And so Fast forward, December 2019, January 2020, I flew out to LA and I'm like, fuck it, I'm here. Um, You know, with social media is a place, you know, LA is a place to be for social media. And I did. And like my 10th video in, boom, he was right. I went viral. Um, And from there, it's just been, you know, crazy, crazy movements in my social media journey. Well, so hold on. So you're, you're in upstate New York. I'm a college dropout. I want to get into finance somehow. I'm blogging. How do you make, you seem like you're well thought out, right? You don't just make impulsive decisions. What was the plan when you went to LA? Like, were you, did you have a huge following or were you getting like little brand deals at the time? Like, what was the plan going out there? Like, I'm just going to make it? Yeah, yeah, no, I I have friends out there. And so during that time, I'm like, hey, might as well explore. It's a place that's always intrigued my brother and I, but my brother didn't come at that point. Um, but it was just like, Hey, I want to see the world a little bit. You know, this place is so 
known. And like growing up for my generation, LA is literally almost like a godsend. Like people take a look at LA is like, wow, you made it. You know, if you yep. go to LA, it's like, wow, shit, she's really made it, guys. And so I'm, from, I just, I'm from New, I'm from New Jersey, so it's like, wow, you made you you moved three thousand miles away. Right, right. And yeah. so that was that was kind of like how I was experiencing it. And so I went there for I think a month and a half or so, and I'm like this is when COVID just happened. And so it just didn't make, it just didn't make sense logically to stay there and like pay this ridiculous amount of rent. And so I went back to New York and, you know, it was snowy there winter time. And then I'm like, Hey, well, I'm just going to go to Florida. And so I've been in Florida for months now, absolutely enjoying this warm weather while New York gets hit with the Northeastern right now. And so we're just chilling. So when you moved down there, like when you, um, you said you made 10 videos, like the 10 one popped, were you in LA at the time? Yeah, I was in LA. So how quickly did your following grow? I mean, so you haven't even been on it really a year, maybe a little more than a year. Yep. That's insane. Uh, Yeah. So my, my growth happened really quickly in the very beginning, went from like zero to a hundred thousand, like basically overnight. And then from, yeah, I did have I did have a few blocks when I was at 250,000. It was like I wasn't seeing as much growth. I'm not sure why, but then again, I just had another spurt. And so like it I feel like for myself, yes, it does happen consistently over like overnight, but there's also these like massive viral successes like um this might not be like super viral, but like a 14, 15 million view on side hustles. Right. And so that, that happened back in, I think November, but this is normal for some. So like virals, virals different compared to everybody's perspective. But when you're talking about like entrepreneurship and personal finance, like that's, that's pretty big. Heck yeah. The person listening to this is going 14 million. I'd kill to get 14,000. <laughs> yeah, you know what right. I mean? Like that's incredible, especially with a topic. Like it's easy to get that when you're doing tea stuff or you're yep. outing somebody or drama stuff, mm-hmm. but the personal finance is like, you know, not who cares, but like, that's not what people think of when they're, when they're going to TikTok. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you made it kind of into something Were you, were this, was there a lot of people in that space? not just younger Gen Z people, but were there a lot of financial kind of gurus at TikTok at the time or was it early and everyone was just dancing? Yeah. So the only person that I like vaguely remember is Humphrey at Humphrey Talks. Him and myself were the only people that I recollect being on TikTok during that time. And then I, you know, Humphrey went viral. I went viral. And from there, I've literally had people um, come to me and say like, hey, I've made my TikTok account um, about finance because of you. Um, So that's why I like to say, like, I think we are the ones who kind of pioneered that movement on TikTok. There's so much, first of all, I don't know if you can answer this, but it's kind of personal. How much money do you have like invested? And above six figures, above six figures. Okay. The reason I ask is because, you know, who's to say that you're a financial advisor and I'm sure you are, you've, you've done well, right. You've making investments. You've been in this a while, but if I'm just going on TikTok, scrolling through my feed now, I just see people pop up and say, buy Dogecoin, it's going to be up 200% this week or buy this one. The person listening, how do they know they should be listening to you or should they should be listening to another person? It seems like it's so flooded now. Right. So first off, the only reason why I actually graduated with a degree in finance is because of that credibility and validity standpoint. Uh, okay. um, being such a young female in finance is like almost unheard of, especially being online and talking about it. So that was one reason. Um, but in order to kind of differentiate myself as well, too, like I've been on Good Morning America, I went on national TV. And like, in order to do that, you have to have like background checks and like making sure that, yo, this person is legit. Um, so when it comes to like taking a look and seeing who's real or who's not it just at the end of the day like I feel like authenticity and generosity and being genuine just shines especially on platforms like TikTok like you can just read through like all the bullshit you know mm-hmm. yeah that I didn't know you graduated finance yet so that is that speaks to your credibility right you're constantly giving evidence of why I'm an expert in the field hey I was on good morning America I was on you know this yeah. show or 
you know, I was in the New York Times or whatever. Yeah. Talk, talk about being a female in that kind of male dominated industry where people, um, and I'm a guy, right? So I feel bad that some guys act like this, but we're, did they take you seriously or did they look at you like a no. joke? No, <laughs> no. Oh my goodness. So how I actually grew so fast is because I was trending on Twitter back in March. Um, and so I, I, I think it was Tesla that was booming back then. And I made a video about Tesla and I went like viral overnight on Twitter because Ramp Capital LLC and a whole bunch of these like Fin meme Twitter guys, um, hedge funders and stuff are like, who is this girl? Like, what? It, why is she talking? Why is she posting about this stuff on the internet? Like, this doesn't need to be long here. And then there was this, there wow. was these other guys. Like, I, I forget his name, Josh something, but he was like, you know what? What are you, what were you doing when you were 18, 19, 20 years old? Oh yeah. You were either fucking some girl or you were doing keg stands. Um, like look at where <laughs> this girl is to where you guys were back then. I'm, I think she's pretty good. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> wow. They came at you publicly. How was that? I'm sure you're used to that now because you've been in the game a while, but yeah. how was that early on? Like that first kind of attack? Oh my God. It was, I, I didn't actually want to pursue like social media, but I had like a strong support system around me. Like, Hey, this is only going to flee. Like all publicity is good publicity. Like this, you know, um, people, people will either be there for you or people will always be against you. And so I took it upon myself and said, well, what am I actually doing this for? It's not for this like fame or fortune or anything. It's, Hey, I didn't fucking learn this when I was younger and I want the other generations to learn. I don't want to have people drowning in student loan debt. You know, um, people get divorces all the time because of monetary issues and they don't it's like have the number money. one reason. It yeah. is. It, it's the number one reason. And so there's a bigger meaning to why I actually do things and stick with it. What, um, that's a good message, you know, Hey, I, let me ask you this, right? You mentioned student loans. <clears throat> Does it make sense to go to college if you're a regular person and you're not sure what you want to do, which I was, and I'm sure a lot of people listening are, I'm like, I'm just doing general studies. I don't know. Maybe someday I'll <laughs> hopefully figure out what I want to do. Is it worth doing that and, and taking on a pile of student debt? Like financially, does it make sense? I really think it's what you're going to do. There's so many avenues. For example, my brother's a marketing major. He he graduated as well, but he didn't learn one single shit about Facebook ads or Google ads. And that is like what we are running paid advertising on today. And so I really think it just depends on your major. Of course, if you're, if you want to be a neurosurgeon, yeah, you're going to have to go the pre-med then med school route. But um, if you're just, you know, like not sure what you're wanting to do, it's okay to take a gap year. Like, and it's also okay to go to community college. I actually started I off went to community college. Yeah. That's where I, I started. I started off community college and then I transferred to a four year. Um, and that saved me so much money and people don't look, Hey, where'd you go to community college? Like it just matters at the end. Like, where did you get your degree from? Oh, I finally got it from university of Albany. Um, yep. so it just really, at the end of the day, it depends, um, weigh the options out, the pros and cons. Also think about the time too. Like people don't normally think about, you know, opportunity costs and the time associated when you start college versus when you finish, there may not be the job opportunities in which you originally signed up four years previously, you know, like I can only imagine how many people are going to college now that maybe our teachers that when we're headed into like, an online society where we may not need a whole bunch of teachers. Um, and so that's not, that's again, like this is a whole other podcast episode that we can go on, but you know, it's kind of crazy what school traditional school is offering us and the amount of knowledge that the internet has. It's crazy. And actually to say another thing, um, like I said, I was on last night, I was on this clubhouse room with Elon Musk and somebody asked him, how do his kids learn? And he simply said, YouTube, like how powerful is that? Like one of the smartest men in the world to, said his kids are learning through YouTube. Yep. I've got a five-year-old and a one-year-old or a two-year-old now. The five-year-old, she's on YouTube and she learns everything on there. Yep. She goes there for entertainment. She goes there to learn arts and crafts. You know what I mean? That's 
it makes sense. That's where kids are. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're where they are, which makes sense. You're playing, not to my five-year-old, right? But you're where a 20-year-old is. You're on TikTok. You're on Twitter. Or do you do much YouTube or is it all just um, quick TikToks? I do YouTube as well, too. It's definitely a different vibe. Um, yeah. It's long form. It feels like, oh, my goodness, like forever when I'm sitting down filming a YouTube video versus a TikTok. Um, so my main focus is really TikTok, Instagram reels. Oh, my goodness, that's popping. Um, and then secondary is more of like YouTube, Twitch, Twitter. What do you talk about YouTube or um, Instagram reels? Because somebody was giving me advice. They're like, you got to, you know, post your TikToks on Instagram reels. I'm like, who even watches Instagram? We're like, I don't, but I'm old. What do I know? Tell, talk about Instagram reels and like why it's worth doing. So first off, uh, you got to think where TikTok is banned. And so this is the alternative. For example, India, oh. TikTok, TikTok is banned. And so I've gained a huge following fr- just from India because of myself posting Instagram reels. I've actually spoken to a lot of millennials as well, too, who still just don't want to download TikTok for some reason, and they love Instagram reel. So what I do is I literally publish all of my most viral reel um, TikToks and it trans it transitions over to reels really well. That's how I got to over a hundred thousand, like super quick. Wow. So do you, what's the timetable? So you post on TikTok, goes viral. Then do you do it like the next day or did you go back and go, Hey, I go back. You go back how like, yep. so they could have been From the posted a month ago. From the beginning. Um, yeah. No so like shit. it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter how old they are. And you have to think as well too, how many people like new your like your new followers are going to scroll um, intentionally all the way back to where you first started. Like this will be new okay. content for them. Oh, wow. Okay. I got to do that. That's good yeah. advice. Yeah. That's good advice for everybody. Cause everyone wants to be an influencer. Everybody mm-hmm. listening right now wants to be, you know, a TikToker or a yep. gram person with a couple hundred thousand followers. But I think what makes you special is you're not a girl in a bikini dancing or you're no. not, you know, I, I'm not a guy with abs who's dancing around with the shirt off. Right. That's, people can replace you easily, right? There's always going to be a better looking person out there, right? Mm-hmm. Who will get a bunch of followers, but you're coming at it, providing something unique and it's timing too. You started it. It'd be much harder. Don't you think to start now than when you did? Yeah. I still think that we are at the beginning stages. I definitely don't think it's ending anytime soon. We're literally just seeing brands get on TikTok and short form content. And so once you know that like, older finance companies are like actually taking second looks into these platforms, then, you know, it's just beginning. Or So what is the most like traditional conservative um, company to reach out to you and want to work with you that you were like shocked by? Mm, I, there's been so many, I wouldn't say many, many conservative has like public, um, Publix, I've worked with Public before. Um, Robin Hood reached out to me working. I I declined. Uh, Wealthfront, yeah. Wait, did you? When did you decline Robin Hood? Uh, back in November. Why then? Because everybody was using Robin Hood. I used Robin Hood. I thought it was fine. Why'd I- you decline? I've never downloaded Robinhood in my entire life. Um, And the reason being is because there has been just historically a lot of stuff gone wrong. For example, you know, back February 29th, which was a leap year last year, they didn't code within their system March 1st, like February 29th and March 1st when the stock market was crashing. So their platform literally wasn't working and nobody could sell their positions. Nobody could do anything and get even into their accounts. Another kid had committed suicide like many months ago because of a falsified number that Robinhood had miscoded once again. Um, And there's just a lot of, you know, after these big, big misses, like I don't care what you say, there's many other platforms. And especially if I'm supposed to be quote unquote influencing people, ain't no way in hell I'm going to be influencing (laughs) them to use a platform that may not be the best suited for them. What do you think about Robin Hood's, um, you know, shutting down trading of GameStop and AMC and all those. And what do you think of the story now where who is behind it and what the interest was and all that? What do you think about the whole thing? Overall, again, it's like, 
you take a look at the history of Robin Hood. It's not something that's unexpected to me um, because I'm an I'm a quote unquote outsider. Like I said, I don't I don't use them as a brokerage. I specifically look at them in the news and how I see from an outsider's point of view. And so I don't have that love for like so many people do with Robin Hood. And so basically it's like another thing that's just in the news, you know, like Robin Hood, Robin Hood is, this isn't the first like criminal and let me get quote unquote criminal act um, that, that Robin Hood has done. Who do you recommend? What platforms do you like? I like TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab, Fidelity, um, E-Trade, all of the older ones. They're they're pretty much reliable. They've been in business hundreds, like a hundred plus years yeah. or something like that. Um, and then in terms of newer ones, Webull's a good one. The reason being is because it's not only available uh, in the U.S., it's available internationally as well, too. And you have to think about that when... Um, you're an influencer or a content creator because most, most of the time, like there's oh, yeah. external people from different countries. So if I'm in the U S and I want to buy Amazon and Robinhood pissed me off, I'm never going to them again. Where should I go? TD Ameritrade? Yeah. You like them the best? Yeah. What makes them so great? reliability. Um, I've never had a problem with them. Customer service has always been good. Even after hours, you can trade pre and post market. You can do technical analysis, which is a little bit more um, deeper than just like, Hey, looking at some sort of line that's being drawn and showing confetti. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a little bit more for I like to say more serious investors because you can see a whole bunch of different statistics that just some of these very, very user-friendly platforms don't show just because it is a little bit scary to look at. Okay. And how about apps? Because everyone wants to be able to do it easy on their phone. Um, is it more, you know, you're going to order on desktop or is that, is there There's an app as well. Good? Yeah. Okay. The mobile platform's good as well. Okay, good. Yeah. So for the younger person listening now, we talked about a lot of high level stuff, but starting kind of the basics, they get a $500 gift for graduating high school. What do they do with it? Put it towards an emergency fund. You have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. For example, your parents could kick you out. You did something wrong and say, hey, fuck you. Like you're on your own now. Well, guess what? You have that $500 to at least, you know, get you some food, get you some shelter for the time being until you figure your shit out. Um, And so anywhere you're at in your life, like we can use COVID as the perfect example. Who the fuck would have known that we would have had like a massive global pandemic that would have till this day, you know, shut down some businesses. I didn't think so. I don't think you saw, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And so you really have to think about it. Well, okay. What if I lose my job tomorrow? Am I going to be covered? Um, And so with this emergency fund, it's usually three to six months of your expenses. For example, if you have uh, $2,000 rent every single month, times that by three, uh, 6,000. So first off, you need 6,000 right off the bat in your emergency fund. Then you say, okay, well, I need food, $300 in food a month. I need X amount for travel and gas this month, basically all of your needs. And that's what I would have to say, especially for those beginner 18 year olds. So I'm 18. I just got 500 bucks. I'm not putting $500 in my emergency fund. I want to go buy a pair of shoes and I want to, you know, buy a bunch of food. So what percentage, like realistically, should they be putting towards their emergency fund until it's built up? Like how much should they be? How much should you be saving? 10%, 30%, 50? Like how much? Literally depends on what your life situation is and where you live. Like there's this common budgeting rule called the 50, 20, 30 rule where it's 50% of your income goes to needs, 20% goes to wants and 30% goes to savings. So let's say you have a thousand dollar income, $500 goes to your needs, which would be the rent and the food or whatever. 20% or $200 would go to that Starbucks, you know, maybe 
a Gucci belt if it's $200. I don't even know what the cost of it is. <laughs> I um, <love> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, $300 would go to your savings, which would be the emergency fund. But if you're living with your parents and, you know, you don't have to pay for the roof over your head, you don't have to pay for your food, you don't have to pay for gas insurance, medical insurance, whatever, then you can say, okay, well, the needs is eliminated. Um, now I can just focus on wants and savings. Typically, I like to say 70 percent savings, 30 percent wants, just because I feel like savings should wow. really be a heavy focus, um, especially if you're young and you're in quarantine. Like how much can you actually do besides like a whole bunch of damage on Amazon? <laughs> you do a lot of damage online. Yeah. So they, they get the emergency. Well, first of all, this is not sexy. There's mm-hmm. nothing sexy talking about building an emergency fund. Yeah. Now, it's really cool talking about Dogecoin and like, you know, what's trending on Twitter today. There's nothing sexy about this. Is it hard to get people excited about building an emergency fund? Is that hard? I mean, it really depends. Like I am infamous for doing zoom in, zoom outs in my videos just because I'm like, I'm sitting here and it's like, okay, well, I just don't want to like see somebody just talk to the camera. I have to make it engaging. So like, if I say the word engaging, you'll most likely see like, um, the hair in between my eyebrows, um, kind of thing, because I have to get zoom in and zoom out and make people like, you know, um, smiling's another big one too. And like I said, I wear comfortable clothing because when you see somebody in a suit and tie, you're like, ew, next, I don't want to be back in class. Mm -hmm. Um, so just kind of like masking in looking like the everyday person, but doing these like hidden techniques of zoom in, zoom out, smiling at the end of every sentence is something that's really engaging and captivating. So they build up their emergency fund. They listen to you, which is good, right? So we got the emergency fund. Now what? Start investing towards your Roth IRA. Now you can- Again, not sexy, but continue. (laughs) Not sexy whatsoever. It's Roth IRA is basically for retirement. So retirement's definitely, it could be sexy depending on like where where (laughs) you're retiring. Um, But what happens is, is that since you're investing now and the stock market returns an average of eight to 12% per year, it'll eventually compound. You know, Albert Einstein said, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. By the time you're 59 and a half or 60, that money, that $10,000 in which you put in for the past few years will really, really start to have this snowball effect and continuously make money for you. Wow. So what if they have a 401k at work? Do they say that's enough or no? Do both. Yeah, you can you can max out your 401k too. Mm -hmm. So they had a thousand dollars left over to save after you know they built their emergency fund. The next month they have 30% left over and it's a thousand bucks. Should they put it all in a Roth IRA and just do that forever? Or should they take 500 and put in a Roth IRA and 500 doing something else? I would say this is this is such a good question because you said doing something else. Um that could be a side hustle and that could be turning your side hustle into a business. So if that side hustle is going to generate more income for you to put back into the Roth IRA, hell yeah, go for it. But if you're not, if you know, like you're still in college, you're not, you're not really having a job or not really doing anything or don't have the time to focus on like uh, active investing, investing in the stock market or investing in like AMC, Dogecoin and all this other shit, um, then definitely put it towards the Roth. Okay. And just do that and don't really get involved. Don't pick individual stocks. Don't fall right. down the rabbit hole of all these subreddits mm-hmm. and just be safe. That's, right. a, that's pretty good advice. Eight to 12% returns. Take that all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I think people get, you know, want to see that triple digit growth and forget about, Hey, eight to 12% is pretty good. You put your money in the bank, you have, you get 0% return now. Yeah. Eight eight to 12 is, is good. I mean, what is a good return on savings? Is that what you're looking for when you make investments? Like I have to get at least 8% or how do you look at it? On a savings account? Oh, no way. No, no, no. no, Not on the savings account. I'm sorry. I meant to say on on an investment. Do you look like I've got to get a minimum of 8% or I need to be here? Like, how do you look at it? 
if you are if you are on the average of eight to twelve percent or beating the historical return of the stock market doing your own investing, then you're good. But if you're let's say if you're not invested in the S and P five hundred, which is what we're talking about, that returns eight to twelve percent annually. If you're invested in like Apple and some one-off type company that nobody knows the name of and you return 3%, you did bad on the year because the, on average, the stock market returns eight to 12% a year. It's like this oh. past year, for example, with COVID, um, they ha- it, there was a big, big return. And so many people are like, yeah, I got like 7% um, this year. And we're like, nah, that's actually pretty bad compared to what the stock market returned when it bounced back. Uh, so you definitely have to take a look at that kind of thing when you're when you're saying like, hey, was this a good investment? But of course, like if you are winning three percent, then it's good. Sure, but that's good to put it in perspective. Like, right. okay, cool, you did better than putting in the bank. But if you just went over here and didn't really have to do any homework, just had to put in an S and P, you would have yep. returned a lot more. Mm-hmm. And that and that's that's historically right. You're saying, you know, through depressions, through booms. Yep you average it out, you're going to get eight to 12%. Yep. That's correct. Wow. That's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What other advice do you have for young people out there, Gen Z who are listening? Start challenging the status quo and talk about money. You're never going to learn if you don't ask questions. I know all of you listening definitely have some more follow-up questions. So I'm going to shamelessly plug myself. Plug, Yes. At Priceless Tay is where you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube as well. And so when you start asking questions, you are able to get answers. It may not be from me. It may be from somebody else. But overall, like just putting yourself out there, you'll realize so many people are able to help. And this is one thing that I wish I learned at a younger age was that there are mentors out there. Do your research on LinkedIn. Do your research with creators, with maybe other micro influencers or something along those lines, friends of friends, like ask your friend's family or your family friends. Um, and they will most likely be willing to help out. Well, and plug, what, speaking of plugs, so what else do you have going on? Do you have the blog, which is still up? Are you really into that? You've got oxygen. Talk about that. Like what else do you have going on? Yeah. Um, so I'm actually working on a fintech app. Um, I can't talk about it too much, but overall it is for Gen Z. Like I said, I've been in this industry for some time now. I've seen an array of companies, big and small, what works, what doesn't work. And I am a voice of Gen Z. So I understand what we need as a whole and what we also look for when we're, when we're, you know, investing our time and money into different companies. And so I am looking into making you the CEO of your financial life through this fintech app called TAP. Nice. And when any kind of timetable on when that's coming out, should we be looking forward to this year? Yes. By the end of the year, you should definitely be looking for it. Right on. Well, it was a blast talking with you, Taylor. Do you have anything else you want to promote? We promoted social, we promoted your app, which is not available, but will be, and it'll be pretty cool, I guess. What else? I do have a podcast as well. It's called WTF, What the Finance. I Um, saw that, yeah. But hold on a sec. So I was looking for that. I always do a lot of homework, but Mark Marin's WTF comes up. So is it hard to search? It was harder to find yours in there. What should, what should people search when they're looking for your podcast? What the finance, Taylor Price. <laughs> oh, okay. Just spell it all out, right? Yeah. Not, it, not, don't do WTF. Yeah. Do what the finance? Yep. What the finance. Okay. WTF is just an acronym for it that kind of makes it a little bit more fun. Again, like WTF, what the finance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but see, I typed it in and then WTF, but then Mark Marin's what the fuck podcast yep. comes up. So yep. guys, just a tip that I want to make sure people find it, spell it out. Thanks. That was, that was awesome. Yeah. Who else? Who do you have on your podcast? Talk about it. What's it all about? Finance, obviously. Yeah, it's about finance. Um, Recently, we've been having just everyday uh, people coming on the podcast, making life-changing moves, whether it be through finance, entrepreneurship. Um, And through this, uh, my co-host, Tadia Rosarian, and I have really gotten to explore like 
what people are growing up with nowadays? Like how is their education growing up through financial literacy? Was it something that was talked in their household and what are they doing now currently? Um, and it goes to show like where they're at and their financial situation. So like interviewing these people, you'll quickly realize that most have not really been taught it growing up. And when they were in college, that's when they said, okay, I need to get my shit together in finances because I am i don't have a job set up in line right now and I need to know what to do. Um, so it's been really exciting doing these little interviews. How do you like, because that's long form content again, how do you like that? Do you like to be able to have time and not get cut off 60 seconds to have like a long form conversation? Oh, I love, I love audio. And this is why I love clubhouse app as well too, is because I can just be free and, you know, do what I want to do. But with something like YouTube, I feel it's a little bit more, you have to have these cuts within it in order to keep somebody engaged. You can't say, um, you know, like you have to be very, very meticulous when you're doing things like YouTube. What, um, what do you do on clubhouse? Do you have, um, do you have your own, what do they call them? Rooms or yeah, what do they call clubs? Clubs. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have your own <laughs> clubs? I mean, is, uh, do you do it like on a schedule or do you just do them kind of whenever you feel just like Just do it whenever we have a club tap into it. T A P I N T U I T. And that was stemming from the blog that I originally started a few years back. Um, and so what we do currently is just talk about personal finance, anything along those lines. And it's really when I have the time, um, I'm, I feel as though when I'm on clubhouse, there are so many elite people on there, like CEOs of fortune 500 where I'm like, wow, I'm just absorbing, listening, taking notes and learning this content. So eventually like one day I'll be able to reiterate it back in a much easier way than, you know, mm -hmm. somebody who's a lot older than me spoke it for my generation. And so that's kind of where I feel as though I benefit most from that app. And people are listening. It's tough because there's only so many invites out there. So the person listening may go, I, I've been trying to get on clubhouse forever, but I just can't, yeah. but it's, but it seems like, like I get a lot of, I get more invites that I don't, I don't even use. I probably should use all of them, but I think it's, I think it's going to be spreading to more people. Most definitely. Yeah. I have five invites. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I have five invites too sitting there yeah. and I go, shoot, I should use them, but who do I give them to? You know? But yeah. They're special. <laughs> they are very special. So you got to be well thought out. You can't just give them to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to think too, like with that app specifically, it's so special with those invites because you will get the um, nominated by whoever. So like you invited me. And for those who don't know, who don't have the app, basically let's say Tom invited me onto clubhouse on my bio. I cannot remove this. It would say nominated by Tom Ward. And so like those, those uh, invites really do matter because like, you will start putting your name out there when somebody else that you referred that you referred onto the app starts talking, they're going to be like, Oh wait, how did this guy get on the app? Who is this person that invited this high intellect, intelligent person on there? You know, it's funny. I got in invited by like my wife's cousin. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of clout, but that's always there. I mean, I love her. Mina, you're the greatest. Thank you for sending me the invite, but like, it would have been cooler to have Elon Musk you know, right. invite, invite you. But yeah. the point is, I guess, take whoever invites you. Cause it is a cool app. Great mm -hmm. way to connect. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see, I mean, Elon Musk just used it last night. So I know I saw it. Well, crazy Taylor, thank you so much for hopping on. Everyone check out the podcast. Everyone follow her on social. We'll put it in the show notes to um, all the websites, all the social handles to go check her out. What else, Taylor? Is that it? You got any parting words of wisdom? That is all. I I'm, will say, though, Benjamin Franklin and my mom, I always growing up said uh, failure to plan is a plan for failure. This goes anywhere in life, but since I focus in, you know, financial literacy, if you don't have a plan, you're screwed. So start get start getting into financial planning. That is great advice. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe. We have interviews with the biggest influencers in the world. And obviously from all spaces, from finance to entertainment, to music, to everybody. So I hope you enjoyed this one, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you.